Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. It's good to see you today. Wow, you look great. Those of you watching online, we thank you. I'm just scrolling through, looking at all the people that are watching online. Thank you for joining us. And we pray that if you're ever in our area, you drop in and be with us. Father's House, would you welcome those online today and thank God for them. And you look good, too. It's great to see you. We're in a series called Relationships Uncensored. Before I jump into that today, I want to encourage you. There's a couple of movies out I'd like you to really go see. First of all, The Jesus Revolution. Uh, It'll change your life. It's be really good. And the second one is one that Anita and I got to go to the red carpet premiere a couple uh, last week down in Disney Springs. It's called Southern Gospel. It's a true story of some friends of ours that pastor in, uh, actually in St. Cloud. Great church, and it's called Never Surrender. It's about never surrender your dream. Uh, God's hand is really on this independent film. Uh, it's, it's amazing the stories that they told while we were there. For instance, this film was shot during the height of COVID, and it was filmed in Georgia. They spent $455,000 in COVID protection for this during this movie. Now, Pastor Gary and Janice, who it's their story, uh, they were on site, and their job was to pray that no one got sick. 224 people on set every day. So if one person got sick, you shut down, and it would be $100,000 a day that you would lose by shutting down. They shot the entire film in the height of COVID, and not one person got COVID. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And uh, of course, it's a, it's a sack film, it's a, you know, and you don't choose your actors. You have no way to choose them when you do a film like this. You can't say, well, I only want Christians. You can't do that. You're not even in the process of which the, the actors are selected. But it's amazing how God behind the scene put the right people and behind the scenes how some of these actors actually were baptized and said, can you baptize us after they showed a baptismal scene? I'm telling you, God's hand is on this movie. You need to be sure that you go see it. So would you do that? It'll open here at AMC on March the 9th, I believe. Uh, and also it's going to be in uh, all around. So please do that. That'll be a week of opening next week. And we want to just make sure these independent films get the sight and the seeing that they need to get, okay? Well, let's pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you for the awesome time today in worship. Thank you for the healings that happened just a few minutes ago. We thank you for your provision. We thank you, Lord, for people that showed up today to hear from you. And Lord, I just pray that you will speak to them now as we look into your word. Father, I pray that you would anoint me because I can't do anything without you, Lord. Help me to say what you want me to say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. And Lord, help us all to uh, do better in our life at representing you in our daily life. In your name we pray, amen. How many of you have ever been unfriended by someone on social media? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Because you wonder... What did I do? What did I do? Was it a political statement? Was it a religious statement? Or, you know, was I posting too many cute kitten videos? Not. In January 2009, true story, Burger King launched an ad campaign 
where they said, if you will unfriend 10 of your Facebook friends, we'll send you a coupon for a free Whopper. Now, the, the, way, the way this ad was supposed to go was when you unfriended someone, then Burger King would send a, a message to them that you had unfriended them for a delicious hamburger. And the thought would be, wow, this burger must be good that they uh, would delete me for a burger. Well, New York Times carried the story. And after one week, Burger King had to cut off the campaign because in the first week, 200 33,906 friendships were severed to get a Burger King Whopper. And Burger King had to pay up. Now we look at that and we laugh, but sadly, uh, people give up relationships for much less than a Whopper. Um, God designed us for relationships. He never designed us to be alone. I hear people say, well, you know, it's, we say, get in a life group. You need to join a life group. Church is better in circles than in rows all the time. And say, people say, well, I just don't like to be around people. I don't like to open my home. I don't like to get to know people. I don't like to, look, you are living a lie that God never created you to be that. Now, I know you may have been around some sucky people before, but everybody in the life is not like that. So you don't need to let a few people d damage your life. We were never meant to be loners. We were never meant to be by ourselves, And we all have the need for relationships, whether you're single, married, divorced, a stalker, or a complicated person. You were created for a relationship. And here's what I know. Your vertical relationship with God is also determined by your horizontal relationship with others. There are a lot of people who say, I don't understand why I can't get as close to God as what I'd really like to get to him. I don't understand why I can't have that breakthrough that I want. But all the time, you never try to build a relationship with people horizontally that sit with you in church on Sunday. You don't get in a group. You don't serve. You don't you go to somebody, shake their hand. You say, well, you know, I, I, I'd like to have friends. Well, the scripture said, if you'd like to have friends, show yourself friendly. Don't just sit down and hide, but go up to somebody and say, hey, I'm Herkimer. It's good to see you today. Hope your life is good. So, so many people, because they're damaged in relationship baggage, they don't have good relationships with people around them. Here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. In fact, read it with me, would you? And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. We'd say amen, right? We'd say, yeah, that's how, that's how I want that. But look at this one. Read it with me. The second is equally important. Is how much important? Equally. So he said, as, as important it is that you love God this way with all your heart, soul, mind, being, everything you got. He said, don't miss this one. Read it with me. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Wow. So look at the person to your right, to your left, in front of you, behind you. Your relationship with them, your relationship with them will determine your relationship with God. See, if you can't, if you can't have a relationship with people, if, you're not that, if that person builds relationships to honor God, you're going to have trouble really having a relationship with God the Father.
In this series, Relationship Uncensored, we're going to talk about things that hinder us. Last week, we talked about baggage. I'm going to cover just a little bit more of that today. The next week, we're going to talk about keys to successful relationships. The sad thing is, most of us never had a class on how to build good relationships. Most of us never had a class on how to have, be a good friend. But that's so critical and so important in life. Because if we're not created to be alone, if we're created to do life together, then we need to know how to have successful relationships. I think a lot of times, we talked last week, one of the things that hinders in relationship building is all the baggage that we have. And we carry that baggage with us, and then sometimes, then that baggage actually becomes our identity. We don't just say, well, I was divorced. We say, I am divorced. We don't just say, well, you know, I was abused. You know, say, I, I'm an abused product. I, I, I'm a, I, was, I, I was someone who nobody loved and nobody took care of. And so we carry that baggage so long that it becomes our identity. I, you know, I've been hurt by the church or I have terminal illness. And we let our past determine our future. So I hope you'll listen to what the Lord would say today. And let me just give you a couple things. If you're taking notes, number one, here's the first fill in. Realize your baggage keeps you from your potential. Realize your baggage keeps you from your potential. You say, well, why are you spending so much time on this? Because I know that there's a lot of times that the baggage that we carry keeps us from breaking through to what God has for us. Maybe he's called you into a ministry. He's called you into a business. Maybe he's called you uh, in, 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 in some other area. But until you're able to get beyond the baggage that you carry, you're never going to be able to reach your full potential. Um, you haven't forgiven someone for what they've done. You haven't moved on. You haven't given a second chance. And you're hiding behind the baggage that you're carrying with you today. And you picked up that baggage not on the carousel at the airport, but you picked up that baggage on the carousel of your mind. And that's where it is. Some of you today have a suitcase of resentment and discontentment. You have a duffel bag of exhaustion and weariness. You have a carry-on of grief and lost dreams. You have a backpack of doubt. You have an overnight bag of loneliness or you're carrying around a trunk load of fear. There's an interesting guy in the Old Testament by the name of Saul. And I hope that you go home this afternoon and reread the story, 1 Samuel chapter 10. Israel wanted a king. They said, we've got to have a king. We want a king. We want to be like everybody else. So God says, okay, if that's what you want, I'll give you a king. And God handpicks someone that has a great potential, and his name is Saul. God didn't pick him to be a loser. God didn't pick him not to be a good leader. God picked him to have a full potential destiny. In fact, he was anointed and he was claimed as a king. In fact, let's look at this verse. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel, who was the prophet, took a flask of olive oil and poured it all over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. I wonder what God has called you to be. I wonder what he's called you to do. 
and you're sitting here this morning. You say, well, I, I don't, I don't there's, there's no call on my life. Sure, if you're a believer, there's a call on your life. You're, you're called to represent Jesus in day-to-day -day life, in your job, in the school, in your marketplace. And so here, so Samuel gathers all of Israel together. Come on, you wanted a king. God has anointed a king. I'm going to introduce the king to you. You want a king, we're going to give you a great king. And so in verses 20 through 23, all the people, catch this picture, all the people are standing around. Who is it? Who is, it? Who is our king? Who, who is it that God has put his hand on? Man, this, this must be awesome. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord. And the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord. The family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally, Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen from among them. Now, he'd already been anointed, but now this was a public thing. And so they said, okay, it's going to be Saul. So everybody's clapping. Yay, Saul. Yay, yay, Saul. And you got to look at this. I mean, this is a humorous story. And the scripture says, and they looked for him, and he disappeared. So they asked the Lord. Now, didn't this seem strange to you? They asked the Lord. I mean, you'd think that if, if, if we're going to anoint somebody, we'd say, okay, it's, Tim's got this job. And then all of a sudden, Tim wasn't around. We'd say, Vance, have you seen Tim? Uh, Edwin, have you seen Tim? Uh, where, where's, where's Tim? Mike, have you seen Tim? We looked diligently for Tim. I guess Saul had so disappeared, he was hiding he was hiding behind the luggage. They couldn't find him. He was hiding the, the word there, baggage or luggage in, in Hebrew there literally means the stuff. He was hiding behind the stuff. And they asked God, where is he? And God says, he's hiding behind the luggage. He's hiding behind the baggage. So they found him and brought him out. And he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. That didn't mean he had a dandruff problem. It just means that he was tall. So, I mean, isn't that sort of humorous to you? He looks the part. You know, when you say he was head and shoulders above everybody else, that means he was tall. And that means that he had the image of being somebody that God could really use. Now, God didn't choose a loser. He chose someone who had the ability to have great influence. But the sad thing about Saul he never got rid of his baggage. He carried a feeling of, even on that day of inferiority, oh, you, you don't mean me. I could never be used of God. That's what some of you are saying. You're saying, oh, it couldn't be me. God could never use me that way. And, and because of that baggage of inferiority, or you've had somebody say that you'll never amount to anything. And, and then another thing Saul had was a baggage of fear. In fact, he got to the place that he feared what people would say more than obeying God. And he destroyed his destiny. He, 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 he came to the place that he thought he by himself, because he had the looks of being a leader, could do things without totally being obedient to God. And because he never got rid of his baggage, his baggage sabotaged his life. And later on, if you want to read, and it says he had a different heart. And he wasn't the man that God called in the very beginning. Here's the scary thing that should awaken all of us this morning. If you're so determined to continue to carry your baggage, just because you got baggage doesn't mean that God won't call you or God won't work in your life. But unless you get to the place that you're going to get rid of that baggage, 
one day that baggage will trip you up and you'll find that you've lost the destiny, the purpose that God wanted for your life. Man, we don't want that, do we? We don't want that to happen to us. So we look at this and we say, we often, because of the baggage, we hide, we hide because of them, we hide behind them, and we hide among them. You will never fulfill your divine purpose if you keep hiding behind the baggage. God could never use me. I failed before. He could never use me again. It's baggage that you begin to have. There's not one piece of baggage that you could carry into this church today that God's not a big enough God to say, if you'll drop that baggage, I'll help you, and you won't have to worry about that anymore. Now, there's some baggage I think maybe we might struggle with a lot in our life, but we, the reason that we struggle when we struggle the most is because we keep trying to do it ourselves. Instead of saying, Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, I got to be honest. You're asking me to do something that's really fearful. I mean, when you start talking about the League of a Legacy offering, you say, God, what do you want me to give? And he drops a number in your mind. And you say, whoa, are you sure? Maybe that was pizza instead of God. Uh, but I always figure that God, when he, you ask him, he drops that number. And then I think if we struggle with that, he should drop a bigger number. But fear comes. God, you're asking me to do something that's sort of out of my comfort zone, but okay, I'll do what you, I'll do what you want. Number two, we have to recognize the signs that we have relationship baggage. Because in teaching a teaching like this, there's always somebody that'll say, well, you know, I may not be the greatest, but I think I do all right in relationships. I, I think I'm, I'm pretty healthy. This probably is a good teaching for somebody else. So let me give you a quiz and find out if you struggle with any of these things, because if you do, they will hinder your relationship. Number one, you play the blame game, right? I mean, it's never your fault that a relationship fails, right? It's never your fault that you've been to 20 churches and none of them have worked for you. It's always the other church. You know, when we when we do counseling for people that have been divorced and they want to be remarried, we hear the story of how somebody cheated on them, how somebody abandoned them, how somebody left them. But we always know in counseling, we ask this question to the person that's in front of us. What's your part in the divorce? What part did you play? I didn't play a part. They were the one who cheated on me. What part did you play in the breaking up of this relationship? Because you see, there's always something that a person, even though you may not have been unfaithful, there's a part in that that you played. How much longer are you gonna to continue to blame everybody else for failures in relationship? How many more times are you going to get in a relationship with someone and say, I think this is the right one. This is the one that God is sending. God has sent them. And you break that and you destroy that. How many more times are you going to try to be married and, and something else? And it's you that keep bringing the same thing. So if you're playing the blame game and you never pick up your part of what it is, you're carrying relationship baggage. Here's the second thing I have to ask. Do you have control issues? Wow. I mean, you desire to control everything because in the past, something got out of your control and it hurt you. But the problem is you can't spend your life trying to control everybody else. 
People are going to have to have the freedom to make their own decision. Some of you are helicopter parents. And, and, you wanna, and you want to make sure you choose every decision for your child. Look, you can't. You, and in a marriage, sometimes people get the same claim. It's, I'm, I'm going to control this. I'm not going to let this get out of hand. I'm not going to give too much. I'm not going to take too much because I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to. See, if you're going to win the war, you can't make the war about every little battle. If in a relationship, somebody's doing something that you don't like, and every time something happens, you got to control it, and you go in like a fierce wolf, I'm going to straighten this up. No, this is not going to happen. They're going to change it. It's going to happen like this. It's going to happen like this. If you spend all of your time in skirmishes, you're never going to win the war. Because to you, everything is a major thing. It's a major thing. Sometimes I'll say this to my lovely wife, since she's not here, she's teaching class. I'll say to her when she gets upset about something, not me, she didn't get upset about me, but somebody else. In a relationship, I'll say to her, in the scheme of eternity, does this little thing make much difference? Yeah, but that, in the scheme of eternity, are you going to try to win every skirmish or are you going to win the war? We got to be careful that we don't try to control everything because then what we're saying is we don't really trust God. It's like I told a parent this week that's struggling with some things with a teenager. I said, you know, beyond everything you see, you got to believe this. That you've prayed, you've lived a life of what someone should have. And you got to trust that the Holy Spirit can work in areas where you can't. You can't always be going around behind and making sure everything is just right. Somewhere we just have to step back and say, okay, Holy Spirit. So if I'm always in control issues, I probably have some relationship issues. Here's another one. You're unable to receive criticism. We all have them, right? We all have blind spots. Blind spots. Need it sometime. And, and, and God did a real good thing. Those of us that are married, he sent a blind spot revealer to our life. It's called our spouse. And Nita will say to me, because she phrases this so well, I know you probably can't see this, but you have a blind spot in this area. That's so much better than just saying, you got a blind spot and you need to deal with it, boy, right there. Just look at you. You have a blind spot. It's the same thing with friendships. How many of you have had friends that love you enough to say to you, you know, I, I know you don't mean it, but when you make fun of your wife in a jest, joke way in front of other people, you guys just laugh about it like it's a joke. But have you ever really looked in her eyes or his eyes? No. You can't keep doing that way. You're going to destroy your marriage. You see, that's why, that's why we, need, we need some real friends in our life that have enough to say to us. You can't keep doing that. You know, it's like Kevin has told me several times, Pastor Kevin, he said, you know, Terry, this is probably an area you, you, you can't see, but I've noticed how you treat Anita in this one way. You know, really, as your friend, 
I would say to you, you need to, you need to work, on that, you work on that area. Oh, you're right, Kevin. You're right. It's a blind spot. Another game that people play is this one. You always have a negative mindset. I mean, you can be holding the winning lottery ticket. And you'll say, well, I just don't think this could be. Right? None of us were born negative. We were born optimistic. We have to learn to be negative. But people say, well, that's just the way I am. I just see the negative side of everything. No, you don't. You're carrying baggage that you need to deal with. Here's the last one. You're stuck in the past. Some of you are stuck in the past. Things that have happened years ago are the things that keep you from developing a relationship right now. And you make people in the present pay for your past. Here's what Jesus said. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, easy to please. You find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. So number three, you got to replace your baggage. It's not enough just to lay it down, but you got to replace that thought in your mind with something else. For instance, if you have a baggage of a secret sin, you've been carrying that sin around and you say, well, I got away with it, but you didn't really get away with it because you're carrying the guilt of that. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1 and 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So if you're carrying that around today, drop that and say, Lord, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to get it out in the open so you can forgive me. Or maybe you're carrying a baggage of anxiety. Maybe you came in here today carrying a lot of anxiety. I love Philippians 4 and 6 that says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with gratitude, make your requests known to God. Maybe you're carrying a baggage of anger and bitterness. Proverbs 29 and 11 says, Fools give full vent to their rage but a wise bring a calm to the end. So there's other baggages there you can look at, the baggage of secret sin and the others. You can look at those verses later. But here's what I know. In trusted relationships, you don't have to pretend that you've got it all together. See, I mean, there's no use trying to hide your luggage and your baggage. You know, we'll just hide, you know like last week, they tried to cover it over. People see it. People see it. And people also know that that thing that you carry has actually caused a hurt in you. Here's, here's what I know. Because of social media, you know, we always want to give the right image, right? Now, let's be honest. When you take that picture that you're kneeling down to prayer, somebody takes it of you, you're kneeling down in prayer, and you got your Bible out in front of you, somebody has shot three or four pictures of that to make you look good on social media. We don't, we don't post that picture that makes us look bad, do we? No, it's the one that makes me look religious. My Bible is open. I got my notebook over. We take a picture, and let's make sure that picture looks like. So when people see that, they'll say, oh, they're so special, so special. But here's what I know without a shadow of a doubt that the people that speak to you the most are the people that stand before you and say, it's not easy, but uh, I want to share my scars with you. 
See, I've known of people who've driven into this parking lot crying all the way to church because of what's going wrong in their life. But then when they park their car to put on their women or the eye, the women makeup or the men makeup, whatever makeup you wear. <laughs> and they come into church and, well, how's it going? Oh, I am blessed and highly favored. Oh, I just want, and on the inside, you're just crumbling apart and crumbling apart. You see, with people that you're in a relationship, you can simply say, when they say, hey, how's it going? You say, I've had one hell of a week. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. You're saying, but that's, that's, that's confessing negative. No. Confessing negative was said, you know, I've had a hell of a week, and I guess I'm going to live a hell of a life. But being honest simply says, I got to tell you, I'm hurting. When people stand up here like Simone shared her testimony uh, several months ago or when Tim shared about being part of the black mafia and carrying weapons and, and doing all that he's doing or Black Hall talked about running away as a kid, joining the circus and getting hooked on drugs and everything. It's people that tell a story like that, a real story that identifies. So why do we in relationships think that we have to impress people, that we've always got it together? That's why I shared with you last week the little argument that Anita and I had about something that was so stupid because you identify with that. Not that, oh, he's so holy. He's so wonderful. He probably never, he probably doesn't even, I'm not going to say, where did that come from my mind? Ask me later what I thought, but I'm not going to say it today. Woo. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe that Jesus resurrected till I see the scars and I put my hand there. Jesus came to him and said, Thomas, look here. Here's the scar. Here's the scar. See, Jesus was simply saying, these wounds made me who I am. Some of you tried too hard to paint a picture that's really not you because you don't have trusted relationships. But in trusted relationships, you're able to say to somebody, I made a mistake, but I learned from that mistake, and I've grown through that mistake. And you know what? The people in your relationship will say to you, man, I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate who you are. Because you see, people can deal with honesty. It's all this world that we're living in. Everybody's just going to pretend, pretend. It's all right to say to friends, I am, I'm hurting. I don't have it all together in this area. Number four, we'll just tidy it all up today, and I'll talk about some of this more next week. We need to reveal healthy relationships. I mean, you're not going to see healthy relationships on TV or movies as a whole. They're going to show you brokenness. People not in a good relationship, but broken. But here's some things I think that, would, that we should really focus on to reveal healthy relationships to the world around us. First of all, a healthy relationship would look like I trust God. I can't control everything, but I trust God. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I believe out of all of the mess, out of all the hurt, out of all the baggage, he's able to turn it around for his good. And I'm just going to say I'm going to trust God. 
Second of all, I'm going to honest. We need to see honesty, honesty, and graciously communicate in an open matter, in open manner. Be honest and gracious. Don't yell and scream. Be honest and open. Take responsibility for your own behavior. Boy, that would be a good one right there. Live vulnerably. Let people see who you really are. Serve others without expecting a return. Be joyful and faith-filled in circumstances. Now, we could unfold all of those, but I do want to unfold them because I want to talk more about those next week. But I want to just simply say to this, please hear me, please hear me, please hear me. We need to develop relationships so people see these things. But if you, never, if you never reach across the aisle, if you never get in a small group, if you never get in a serving group, if you never become friends with somebody, how, how can you ever reveal healthy relationships? Here's what I believe without a shadow of a doubt that the Lord is saying today and doing. Maybe some of you are hiding behind the baggage. And you think you're hiding from God. But here's what he says. You can't hide from me. I know what you're carrying. I know where you are. And here's what he says. I see you hiding behind the baggage. But he doesn't stop there. But he'll reach out that hand that was wounded for you. And he'll say, come on. Come on. Come on, out of the hiding behind the baggage. Come on, from stop trying to pretend that you've got everything together. And then I believe he'll give us an invitation like this one. Look at this scripture on the Sky Bible. Read it with me. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Let's pause there. The unforced rhythms of grace. Wow. Now let's read the rest of that. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Yeah, lightly. Some of you carried in today. You've been carrying that load. You've been carrying that baggage. And Jesus is saying, come on. I see you. Come on. I'm not going to belittle you. I'm not going to put you down. But I want you to be able to leave out of here with something light. His presence. Would you bow your head? I want to pray for those of you, first of all, that are believers today. I would say, yeah, the Lord spoke to me today from this series that there's some areas in my life that I need to deal with, some things I need to drop, some things I need to surrender to Him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Terry, would you include me in this prayer? I want to do better in my relationships. Thank you. Hands going up all over this morning. I want to do better in my relationships. I want to have some successful relationships. Father, I pray for those who raised their hand this morning. Those that are online that raise their hands saying, I want to have better relationships. I want to have a relationship that honors you, Lord. I want to lay down this baggage, this luggage that I've been carrying. 
I want to walk out of here with the lightness and the freedom that comes from you. As you continue to pray, you may put your hands down as you continue to pray. I want to pray for those of you maybe today that you say, you know what, the real baggage that I'm carrying right now is sin. I know I'm not right with God. I try to live right, but it just seems like the more I try, the worse it gets. And I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm lost, and I need to be found. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew that you would be here today or listening online. So he left all the beautiful things of heaven, the peace, the throne, the royalty. He took on human flesh. He walked where you walk, faced every temptation that you would face, yet without sin. See, somebody has to pay for the sin. There has to be a payment for sin. Blood has to be shed for redemption of sin. So Jesus became the Lamb of God before the foundation of the earth. And he went to the cross and he said, I'll take Terry's sin. I'll take Bob's sin. I'll take Tara, Sarah's sin. I'll take Danielle's sin, Patty's sin. He who knew no sin took your sin and my sin on the cross. His blood was shed so that my sins could be forgiven. They placed him in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day he rose to give us a fresh start, new life, that as many as call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're here today, and the Lord is knocking on your heart's door, please let me pray with you today. Don't leave here today carrying that heavy load of sin. Confess it, lay it down. And walk out of here with your sins forgiven, your eternity settled, and your present having a purpose. If that's you, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, that's me, Terry. I need to do that. Thank you. Others today, thank you in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you down here. Thank you over here. Thank you over here. Thank you over here. Others today, just lift your hand and say, that's me. Include me in this prayer, Terry. Include me in this prayer. Maybe those of you that are watching online, just right where you're sitting, just lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Church, would you pray this prayer with me with the five or six today that raised their hand? Pray this prayer with me. Father God, thank you for loving me, for never giving up on me. I confess I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me. As best as I know how. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In your name I pray. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.